everyone. I am back and welcome to the fifth podcast episode of the Round Ball Podcast. I am your host, George Chipness. I am also the founder and runner of Round Ball Breaks. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Round Ball Breaks. Um, I'm so glad to be doing this again. It's been a three-week hiatus. There's been a mixture of... Um, Busy, uh, a busy schedule um, with the uh, with work and everything coming back into the fray, and also we had that Easter uh, weekend a couple of weeks ago. But I finally managed to get some time and um, record this podcast, our fifth episode. And um, at what a time! Uh, I usually uh, like to go through the results that have happened over the past week, uh, and then go through a topic in particular, and then go through. Our um, my, my league players to watch from a cardboard perspective, uh, but that's going to change today. Um, there still will be a league that we are going to look at, and I've got a lot of players to talk about. We are definitely still going to talk about the Spanish La Liga. I've got a lot of players to mention for all you investors and collectors out there, the players to watch, um, the players we know, players we're getting to know, players we don't know, and finally the players to watch that are on the brink of possibly doing something special. Uh, but I'm going to spend probably the next 10 minutes or so. Um, I'll probably go over uh, over time here, but um, this is not relating to, to the cardboard. This is not relating to the hobby. I'll be talking about what everyone's been talking about for the past uh, half week, four or five days, and that is the uh, European Super League and uh, its fall from grace, its uh, anticipation, um, I don't know what would you call it. Um, the coming together of the football mafia, if you will. I feel like I was watching um, a, a spin-off of Goodfellas, just watching the news roll into Twitter. I woke up Monday morning, and um, as I was walking into work at about eight fifty-nine on the dot, nine o'clock, there comes um, ESPN. There was the Athletic. There was uh, the Bleacher Report. There was Optus Sport. All notifications at the one time saying that Europe is proposing, or not Europe, these um, these a calamity of of, of old white uh, privileged rich men that don't know a thing about football, or at least most of them don't, or a vast majority don't, to come together and pretty much. Uh, pull themselves away from competition, pull themselves away from the very fabric of the game to not only uh, fill their own pockets, but to guarantee that they will be receiving a lot of money in the future, regardless of their position in their respective domestic leagues. If they don't make European qualification, that being Champions League or Europa League, they will definitely have income coming in with this Super League. It's insurance. It's a way for these um, owners that, like I said, don't know a thing about football to uh, guarantee themselves an extra revenue stream. Um, and obviously, uh, the, the football public have come out in their droves and have uh, unanimously declared it a, a disgrace and uh, a blight on the game. And it was it was great to see uh, pundits like uh, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. Before even uh, hearing them, I knew that they would uh, come out and and bring it up and 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 
give us their two cents on it on Sky Sports. Um, I love listening to their podcast because I love Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. They speak as fans. They've been with their respective clubs um, almost their entire lives. Gary with, uh, with Manchester United being an academy player and being a, a Manchester United legend, winning so many titles with them. And then you've got Jamie Carragher, uh, been, his, been at Liverpool his whole life, winning European Championships, the Champions League, watching his beloved team finally win the Premier League last year. And they've come out and they've said a big fat no. And I couldn't agree more with them. I, don't, I think a vast majority of us could not agree more with them. It's uh, what happened over the last two days shows that social media can actually be a good thing. There's light at the end of the tunnel with social media. My personal thoughts on social media is that it should be abolished. And this is just my personal opinion. Everyone's got one. This is mine. I just think social media is ruining society. I think it should be... um, completely eradicated uh, and then the numbers suggest it all um, we it is the root of the problems in world football with racism people can log on with a differing account with a, a persona a, a different avatar be another person and heckle players on Instagram Facebook Twitter etc if these players haven't had a good game and think it's okay for them to racially vilify them and um, attack their family, attack their ancestors, and attack their motherland. Uh, and then on the other side, you, you I think the, the broadness and um, the epidemic that is um, social justice and, and wokeism, I think on that side as well, it's ruining our society too. There's been a rise in teen suicides. There's been a rise in um, depression, rise in overall suicides ever since... Social media just became a part of our lives and our phones have become an extension of our bodies. That's my personal thoughts on um, on social media. I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but there are little blinks and there are little um, there are little times where I see the goodness in social media and I saw it this week that not only fans uh, go on and have been going on and and have um, and have spoken and have been outspoken and have uh, shown the world their disgust with this new Super League, but it also gave the players to pretty much show their fans that hey, we're not a part of it. Um, we disagree with it. Um, the root of the sport is our fans, and it's turning and this European Super League's turning uh, is basically. The owners turning their backs away from the fans, to, to put it simplistically. And it was just great that the world football community came together and expressed their distaste for it. And um, as a result of that, within twenty within 48 hours, um, every, every single one of the English clubs have backed out. There were six clubs in England. Um, for those that have been living under a rock, there was Manchester United, there was Man- Manchester City, Chelsea... Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham. The three La Liga teams were Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico Madrid. And the three Italian Serie A teams were AC Milan, Inter Milan, and Juventus. They were all going to come together and perform in this European Super League, which is which was going to be pretty much a, um, a differentiated version of the UEFA Champions League. And I heard that they were 
not even going to play the games in Europe. They're actually going to play them in China or the United Arab Emirates, which I was um, real livid about hearing it as a, as a passionate football fan. But that's what it was. These 12 owners came together, wanted to pull away from the UEFA, pull out of the ECA, and wanted to, um, wanted to make this league. And with that, uh, they, while these clubs would still be able to play in their domestic leagues and cup competitions, they were pretty much disqualifying themselves inherently from the UEFA Champions League and UEFA Europa League. And with that, you get rid of competition, you get rid of um, the true fabric of the game, which are the fans, which is the passion and which is the willingness to win and achieve something. That's why we all love football, because anything can happen and a team can beat any other team on their given day. And a perfect example of this, obviously, is Leicester City in 2016. If we were, if somehow this European Super League was still introduced, or was introduced, uh, you get rid of those situations. You get rid of the Leicester Cities winning the Premier League against the best teams in the world, because what will happen is that all these clubs would treat their domestic leagues as Carabao Cup competitions, you know, League Cup competitions. They'd put their B team in. They would obviously be obliged to play their best teams in the European Super Leagues and treat that as top priority, which means that the fabric of the game would be lost. It would have benefited teams like West Ham, Leicester, um, you know, Leeds United, you know, every other of the... Um, I'm speaking just from the perspective of the APL now. Um, the 14 clubs that are not involved that were not involved in these Super League discussions would have obviously had a chance to play in the Premier League and play in the Champions League. I get that, but uh, as the great Ric Flair said, to be the best, you've got to beat the best. Or what is it? To be the man, you've got to beat the man. And it would have been a very weakened man if West Ham played a Manchester United B-side or a Manchester City B-side. It wouldn't have had that same feeling and pretty much teams would have qualified in the UEFA Champions League from default. Same would have happened in the Spanish La Liga and the Italian Serie A. And um, yeah, like I said, within 48 hours, it was um, discontinued. All six EPL clubs pulled out. I'm not sure about the Serie A teams or the Liga teams, but I definitely know that all the um, English Premier League teams pulled out uh, and with that comes a huge, huge bit of news that I think people have overlooked. They think that the, the war was won and I, I absolutely love the fact that I feel like the war was won. Uh, from the like the fans and the players versus these owners who have absolutely nothing to do with football and don't know a thing about football. And when I say that, I want to bring up an, an example for the team that I loved my whole life, Manchester United. This is a um, quote, a direct quote from one of our owners, Joel Glazers. We're owned by uh, the Glazer family, two brothers based in America who also own the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, an NFL team that just won the Super Bowl as well. I feel I, I feel like they also own a, a baseball team as well, but um, I forgot which team it was. Anyway, this is a direct quote from him. On the 11th of November no, uh, 2019, it took me two years to understand the offside rule in soccer, and I still struggle with it. That quote from a guy or from a man 
that is the owner of quite possibly the largest brand in world football uh, is all you need to know about the European Super League and its intentions. These guys treated or are treating, we're talking the Glazers, we're talking Cronky uh, from um, from Arsenal, we're talking about, I forgot the name, uh, is it LSG Group or something like that from Liverpool. We're talking about uh, Daniel Levy. This man, Daniel Levy, is another story. I thought he was a player, uh, a, a, an owner for the people, but it turns out he wasn't. He's shown his true colours. Sheik Mansour, the other one from Manchester City. And obviously, Roman Abramovich. Um, Roman, though, I... You know, I'm going off tangent here, but I think Roman Abramovich is the only one of that group of six that actually cares for football. But I digress. Um, that quote, I'll, I'll say it again. Joe Glazer, it took me two years to understand the offside rule in soccer, and I still struggle with it. For him to say that back in 2019, and then to come out and pretty much sip or stand behind Florentino Perez, the Real Madrid um, owner, and, and, and pretty much say to everyone... We're doing this for the youth. The youth don't want to see football anymore. They don't care for football anymore. So we're making a Super League that's more appealing to that demographic. They first need to love the game of football themselves. It clearly shows that most of them don't. I'm including the Glazers in this. And it would have really killed football. And it was going to turn into somewhat of a, a US franchise system. And as much as I love the NFL, I'm a big NFL fan, I've always hated the franchise system in the uh, in the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL. I've never, ever liked it. I've always hated it. And that's why I've loved football, because of the pyramid system where you can start as little as League 2 and could potentially make the Premier League and still have aspirations to go up and get promoted and keep going further or going down. Same with the Premier League teams. You know, you get to the Premier League as a championship team and you hope to make the Champions League. That is the overall goal for most of these mid-table clubs, the higher clubs as well. You've got Manchester City and um, I'd say Manchester City, I'd go Liverpool and I'd probably go Manchester United are the three that want to win the title every year. But the teams below them, they want to make Champions League Europa League. They want to fight for Europe because there are significant financial ramifications in competing in Europe. It puts a lot of money and gives a lot of money to the clubs that, that do compete and do qualify for that, which equals more revenue, uh, like obviously a high revenue stream, more profits, more chances uh, to... Uh, get the owners to put a little bit more money in the transfer budget to buy better players and become stronger teams. And Leicester City has shown that winning the Champions, uh, winning the uh, Premier League in 2016, they allocated their funds perfectly and they still remain a top four team where they would have been a bottom half team. So teams like Leicester City see that as an opportunity to invest in the club and invest in youth and invest in their youth academies and build a special team. And that's what Leicester City are doing right now. I think they've done it better than any other club around the world. Uh, and and that's, that's why I love the game. That's why I love football. And that's why, uh, although I love the NFL and I'll enjoy watching American sports, I'll never be behind it. And I feel like it's, it's just an artificial... They are artificial sports, to put it mildly. Uh, and, and it's just... 
that's how the that's how the world game would have become with these European Super Leagues. And it would have gone against teams who were who were founded and who have developed through the the, the heart the, the typical working class, the fans who are workers, who are passionate, loyal supporters, it would have turned their backs on them. And Manchester United, Liverpool were founded on that very basis. Manchester City and Chelsea, look, I always joke about them being a bit of a plastic club because they only got founded within the last 15 years. But, um, you know, there is a sense of irony with their fans turning their backs away from this new proposed system. Uh, But it's great that they did come together. It was the first time that I've actually seen hatred, uh, that tribalism put aside for for a day or two and every single fan came together and fighted for this one common goal. And that's what football can do. It brings out the best in people and it brings out the passion in people. And that's what would have happened if this turned into a franchise. Now, I go back to the ramifications after this has um, after this escalated for, for the league to basically be discontinued. One thing that really worried me and one thing that I think people have missed, like I said, a report uh, from Larry Brown Sports uh, a couple days ago. Uh, there was a report that English teams were paid by UEFA to withdraw from the Super League. Now, when I read that, I thought the worst. And I, I'm not a real conspiracy theorist. I don't wear a tinfoil hat. But when I heard about the Super League and I heard them discontinuing it after two days, I went to myself, yay, great work, everyone. But hey, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't feel right. Did they use this Super League notion to possibly give themselves bargaining power and use the Super League as a bargaining tool to give them more money and with this now the Super League eradicated it goes back to um, the corruption that we've been dealing with with bigger clubs against the mid-tier and smaller clubs and that gap widening and I think this is what's going to happen we've also heard that they're introducing a new Swiss League rule um, starting 2024 for the Champions League instead of having 8 groups of 4 there's going to be 36 teams in a holistic league instead of 8 groups of 4 and each team's going to play a team. Uh, there's going to be ten rounds, so each team plays another. Uh, each team has a ten-week league, pretty much, and the top eight go through to the quarterfinals. And I also read something interesting that the last two spots will be dependent on coefficient rankings of clubs that miss out from qualification. So a team like Manchester United can finish ninth or eighth and still be guaranteed a Champions League spot. So I go back to, they just announced this and now it it almost feels like they were too, it was too easy after two days because nothing's ever easy with uh, very wealthy people because they will fight, they will appeal with something that they think will make them extra money. And I just feel that they were paid, which the report says it by Larry Brown Sports, that they were paid to withdraw from the Super League. I don't know if that was a one-off, but it also feels like that the Super League was a way for the bigger clubs to get a bigger piece of the pie in the future. 
and this new Champions League concept, which has apparently been approved and will start in 2024, which is in three years' time, that that's going to be the case. So I worry now, I shift my 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 anxiety and my worrying from the Super League concept straight back to traditional um, competitive advantage with these teams. The rich keep getting richer and the mid-tier clubs and the bottom clubs that are fighting so hard to reach Europe and to build on their reputation around the world as a club, that that, that, that gap would be widening a lot more. So in, with this new concept, this new Champions League concept, uh, you know, Everton can finish fifth and United can finish sixth. And if these coefficient rankings, um, if, like with these coefficient rankings in place, Everton will qualify for Europa League for fifth spot, but United will qualify at sixth spot in the Champions League. You know, to, you know, uh, assuming that all the other big clubs qualify in the traditional sense. So that is a worry. So I think the sh- the, the shift now that people should be thinking about is with this new UEFA Champions League concept. Was it smoke and mirrors? Was the Super League smoke and mirrors? Was it actually a lobbed hand grenade from UEFA that actually planned this all along and went out and said, we're going to defend, you know, the players and the fans. There'll be sanctions for players that participate in this Super League. They will be disqualified from international competition, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of conspiracies getting thrown around, but this is another one. So... I guess we're going to have to wait and see as fans. Um, but look, holistically, the battle was won. But is it just the start of a war? Is it just the start of something big? And as the great Heath Ledger said in the movie The Dark Knight in 2018, uh, it's all part of the plan. And I, I feel like this might be part of this plan, this chaotic plan. And I'm very much an optimistic person, but in the grand scheme of fair competition and the uh, competitive advantage that these bigger clubs would be sustaining, um, there is time to panic just a little bit and to see what happens with that. I said I was going to talk for 10 minutes about it. I've gone up, I've gone over 20, I'm up to 23 minutes now, but, um, I will end it there. Great that the Super League's ended, um, but is there a bigger picture? It, was it part of the plan of some of this evil mafia led by Florentino Perez, aka uh, Conway from Goodfellas? Is is are the Glazers the equivalent of Joe Pesci? You know, um, and who's Ray Liotta? Are they? Is it Arsenal or is it Tottenham? These little kids that shouldn't be there coming through the ranks. Who knows? Anyway, we're going to talk about Spanish La Liga players to watch after a short message. There's going to be a lot of players to go through. I'm going to talk about um, their age, their position, their location, what what team they play for, and also I'll give you a few tidbits about the players we're getting to know. Um, there's a lot of players we already know, but obviously I have to do my due diligence and put them in too. So right after this short message, we will jump straight in to the La Liga. Hello, for people that are out there listening to this Roundball podcast looking for Jiprock and plastering solutions, home renovations and extensions, 
uh, carpentry, skirting boards, doors, locks, commercial and residential fit-outs, or even aluminium frame and glass fit-outs. Look no further than Alex's interiors. Uh, this man is based in Sydney and works all across Sydney for all your carpentry needs. Alex's Interiors is led by director Alex Carbajal, who is a very, very passionate uh, collector and has been a part of the Australian soccer card community uh, for over a year now. A fantastic guy and a very, very hard worker. Once again, Alex Interiors for any office fit-outs, carpentry, glass partitions, bulkheads, suspended ceilings, gyprock work, extensions, steel frames, aluminium frames, and overall skirting, or even doors and locks. Look no further than Alex Interiors. You'll find him in Sydney, works all across Sydney. For anyone out there that is in Sydney, uh, please search him on Facebook, Alex Interiors. All right, lads, we're going to finish off the podcast with our Spanish La Liga players to watch from a cardboard perspective. Very excited to start talking about these players. As I have done in previous podcast episodes, I'm going to break them into four categories. The first one, players we know, players we're getting to know, players we don't know, and ones to watch. And we're going to start off with the players we know. They're going to be short and sweet because everyone's heard about these players. And the first one is probably the most common one that we've heard for some time. His name is Ansu Fati. Ansu Fati is an 18-year-old for those that don't know. He's a Spanish player from Barcelona. Plays predominantly at the left wing position. In fact, he's played seven times there this season. And according to who scored, he's had an overall... Sorry, he's played... Seven times as, an, as a uh, left forward and seven and two times higher up the pitch on the left-hand um, side. He's played um, six times in the La Liga before he got uh, his knee injuries. Uh, he scored four goals in those six games, in, uh, and that's plus one as a sub. He's got an overall who scored rating of 7.38 in the Champions League. He played three games, one as a sub, had one goal, scored two assists for a rating of 7.78. For an 18-year-old, it um, that that's all you need to know. He's just a very strong finisher, an excellent passer. Um, not a very good crosser, but he does play that in that traditional and modern inside forward that cuts inside to either lay off a pass um, through the channels or have a shot with his uh, very nice right foot. He likes to play those short passes, and he does like to do the layoffs as well. Uh, he he's a spectacular player. Injuries have gotten the better of him this season. But that's uh, no. That shouldn't be uh, discouraging. Um, that shouldn't be discouraging for anyone that collects him. Ansu Fati, I, I feel like his best uh, card to go out there and find is his. Uh, uh, I think it's his, his his rookie contenders card in the 1920 Chronicles set. Ansu Fati. He's um, that's probably the card of his to get. I think it's his very first card, very first official card. He's all. He also has a uh, La Liga Mega Cracks rookie card. But that is Ansu Fati. The next player we get to is another player that we all know. He's Spanish, also from Barcelona. Is an attacking midfielder or can play either left or right wing. His name is Pedri. Pedri is just an absolute uh, genius, to put it you know, quite nicely. He's a fantastic player. I love watching him play. Um, but the problem is this season, he has not actually played a game in the La Liga. He's actually played in the Copa del Rey four times and has not scored a goal. He's played one as a sub 
trying to tr uh, trying to find his um, 2019 and 20 uh, summary, but I, I can't find it. But when with with Pedri, you see what uh, you know. What you see is what you get with him. He is an exceptional passer of the ball. He's very attacking minded. He loves playing the channels. And he loves getting his uh, teammates involved. Like I said, he can play throughout that entire attacking midfield line, left, center, or right. He's a he's one of the better dribblers I've seen for a play his age. He's a like I said, an excellent an excellent passer, and he's just a very flary player with great technique. This kid could be one of the best players in the world if he keeps his development up. And um, Pedri is one to watch, uh, especially in the 2026 World Cup. He will hit his peak at that time, and that tournament will not be one to miss, even Euro 2024. So for Barcelona fans out there that are watching this, uh, we're, we're hoping despite the massive, massive debt that you guys are in, that you keep Pedri and build your team around him, you will not regret it, even Ansu Fati. Uh, the next player we're getting to in the players we know is Joao Felix. He's a Portuguese left wing slash striker from Atletico Madrid. He's a little older. He's 22 years of age is Joao Felix. Um, but that should not discourage anyone for jumping onto him. He actually has had a very underwhelming season so far. And that is according to the Who Scored uh, ratings that we're seeing from him this season. He has fought with injuries. He's played eight times in the Champions League. He's scored three goals. He's had a who scored rating of 7.28. But we go to the La Liga. He's played 14 times uh, as a starter, 11 times as a sub. He scored seven goals, had four assists for a who scored rating of 6.84, which is a little alarming. Of the games that he's played so far this season, 21 have been as the starting striker. And he scored eight goals from that position for a 7.29 rating. So maybe he's shifting from that wing position, that left wing position, possibly into a striker. Is he going through the same transition as Mason Greenwood in the English Premier League? We know that Mason Greenwood likes to play as that front nine and that everyone agrees with that. But he has been playing on the right. Joel Felix was playing on the left. Maybe the Atletico Madrid manager, I think it's Diego Simeone, um, is maybe pushing him and he's just adapting to it He's performing really well in that position. Joao Felix, there are plenty of cards out there uh, with his name on it. Uh, I believe, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what his true rookie card was, but I know one thing for sure is that his Euro 2020 select um, card is the first tournament, international tournament card for him, and that's one to get. I know the Topps Chrome 18-19 Champions League card is his first um, European card. So those are the cards to get. If you can find variants of Joao Felix, even better. He's uh, he's in a bit of a decline at the moment, so maybe it is the best time to pounce and, and buy a card to add to your collection or to invest. Next player, uh, we've got two more to come through the players we know. One of them, oh, both of them are Brazilian. Both of them play for Real Madrid. The first one we're going to talk about is a striker who can also play left or right wing. Very versatile. He's 20 years old. His name is Rodrigo. Rodrigo, um, he's, um, what can I say? He's, a, he's very inconsistent, or at least he's looked inconsistent from the eye. Um, he hasn't had the most convincing season so far. He's played seven times as a starter for Real Madrid, 10 times as a sub, only had five assists, no goals for a 6.57 rating. 
in the Champions League, three appearances and six appearances as a sub for only one goal and one assist for a 6.45 rating. He's one that we do know. He's one that could potentially go up and become a superstar again. So we're going to keep a close eye on him. I'll put him in the players we know because we have heard of this player a lot. I had to put him in. It would be sacrilege if I kept him out. So Rodrigo, R-O-D-R-Y-G-O is his name. Um, and plays for Real Madrid. So hopefully he can get that form back. He is an excellent player when he's on his game. Uh, the last player in the players we know is one that is one of my favorites. His name is Vinicius Jr. Uh, like I said, Brazilian, Real Madrid, just like Rodrigo. He's also 20 years of age. Uh, he loves playing on the left side, has had stints as a striker as well, but he plays most as the left inside forward or that attacking winger higher up the pitch. He's played 17 times as a, uh, sorry, at that position he's played 15 times. He scored three goals from that position for a 6.86 rating. Um, his best performances have come in the Champions League this season. He's had 10 overall appearances, four being a sub. Has scored three goals, had one assist, including that beautiful goal against Liverpool in the first leg of the quarterfinals. He's had an overall rating in the Champions League of 6.92. La Liga, less flattering, 6.61. Real Madrid at the moment, I wouldn't... When I, when I look at the ratings of Rodrigo and Vinicius, I wouldn't look too much into them. Um, Real Madrid's going through a real transitional period, similar to Barcelona. I think they're trying to keep the old um, and, and not really give the new a chance for them to excel. Uh, and I think it's uh, the pressure given by the owners to, um, to pretty much say, hey, we paid good money and we're paying these... 30-plus-year-olds, good money. You better keep playing them. And I think that's messing with their dynamics a bit on the pitch. Once they go, once they find buyers, then these players will excel Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. We're going to move now to the players we're getting to know. And this is my... The players we're getting to know and the players we don't know is one of my most exciting ones because these are the ones that I can tell you that probably you don't know much about that I can um, that I can give to the, um, to the public, the soccer card collecting public. We start off with into Barcelona. We've got a player who's also Spanish. He's only 17 years old. His name is Elaix Moriba. Um, he hasn't played too much this season, um, but what he has shown uh, has been quite impressive. Um, trying to get his stats up. We're going to go to transfer marked for this because who scored isn't really providing many of his stats. Uh, he's played... It looks like he's just played the one time this season um, in the Serie B, but I could have sworn he scored a goal. Here we go. Seven appearances. That's the one. Seven appearances this season in La Liga. He scored one goal and has had three assists. I think he became the youngest goal. I think he beat Fati early in the season for the youngest goal scorer in Barcelona history. Regardless, cracking goal that was. Um, he doesn't get much time because he is a 17-year-old. Uh, but I'm telling you what, he's a Spanish wonder kid. Can play central midfield. I can. I always hesitate when I bring in central midfielders because of their their ceiling in the card investing market. But this guy's attacking minded. There's no issues with him. Hopefully he keeps his um. Hopefully he keeps his development up and becomes a really really good player. Ilaix Mariba. So his first name is spelt I L A I X. Mariba is Mariba. Um, look at him. Look for him. Um, Spanish wonder kid from Barcelona. And I'll tell you what, Barcelona have so many of these players um, and they pretty much don't know what to do with them, which is a bit alarming. 
Anyway, we move on to another Barcelonan player. He's um, actually American, and his name is Serginho Dest. I contemplated putting him in the players we know because a lot of there's been a lot of talk about this player, especially American wonder kids in the La Liga. But I really like this player. Uh, Serginho Dest is a uh, wing back that can play both on the left or the right. Very attacking minded. He's only 21 years old. And the uh, aspects of his game that I really love is his pace, his crossing, and his hard uh, his hard work rate, both attacking and de- uh, both attacking minded and defensively. Um, he's an absolute ripper to watch, and he gives it his all. Uh, the fact that he plays for Barcelona, I feel like he plays with a chip on his shoulder, and that's what you want. American American fans out there should be very excited about the youth coming through because um, he's played seven times in the Champions League for Barcelona, which is a big deal. Played seven times this season for an overall rating of 6.84 on who scored. In the league, has played 24 times, five as a sub, and has actually scored two goals and had one assist for a 6.69 rating. He's just trying to find his feet still. When he plays higher up the pitch, it looks like that he does perform better. His, uh, assume, his um, predominant position is the, at the right wing-back position. He does like the right because he's a right footer, naturally. Um, he played 15 times and has scored one goal from that position for a 6.81 rating. Like I said, excellent dribbler, great passer, and um, concentrates, and just very combative. And I really like a player uh, that can play that role, who can uh, play and overlap, but at the same time, he can also, if need, stay back and play a traditional wing-back role. We feel like all wing-backs now are overlapping and attacking-minded, but this player can switch, and that's what I really like about him. Really, really impressive. Um, And also played two international friendlies for the USA. Just to add on to his um, impressive resume so far as a 21-year-old. We now go to Valencia, where the players we're getting to know. This is the third one. He's South Korean. He can play across the attacking midline, both left, uh, either left, right, or straight down the middle. His name is Kang In Lee. So K-A-N-G-I-N Lee. Um, he's a 19-year-old. People are calling him the heir apparent to uh, Sung Hyung Min. Uh, they're going to be very fun to play with. Hopefully, Kang In Lee and Sung Hung Min can play in the World Cup next year together because that will be a fun combination to look at. Uh, he does play for Valencia. As I said, plays predominantly as a forward or can play attacking mid, but predominantly as that striker. Um, even though he can play left or right, looks like Valencia is using him predominantly as a striker. He's had 10 appearances for a 6.85 rating. Uh, he's a very good passer for a striker, and um, he's a great dribbler and can hold on to the ball. He can play as the false nine, drag himself deeper, and link up. So he's he's very versatile. Um, hasn't had the most appealing season so far. He actually hasn't scored a goal yet for um, Valencia in the La Liga this season. Out of his 21 appearances, none of them as a sub, but he has assisted four times, which shows his passing and decision-making and his ability to hold the ball up with a rating of 6 point. Um, One of my favorite stickers and one that I have uh, two copies of is um, uh, FIFA 365 sticker. Uh, I'm trying to... I've got it in my hand right now. Trying to find the year, but it looks like it's from the Under-20 World Cup in Poland in 2019. So it might be part of the 2019-2020 FIFA 365 set. Uh, Number 427 A, B, and C. It's a link-up sticker of himself as the Golden Ball winner. It also has Erling Haaland as the Golden Boot winner in the tournament for Norway and the Golden Glove winner being Lunin 
uh, from Ukraine. He also plays in the Spanish La Liga. That's an excellent. It's an excellent sticker. It's gold. Um, these stickers I bought for about ten bucks, about a month and a half, two months ago. They've now shot up to a hundred. Um, obviously, because of Holland and and his rise um, in the cardboard world, but they are ones to look at. I might actually take a picture of it and put it on my Instagram page, Round Ball Breaks, for anyone that wants to check it out and find one on eBay. Uh, we move to the last player we're getting to know. He's one of my favorites. Um, his play, I was gonna say, is he a player? We don't know a player's player we're getting to know, but I'm biased. I'm putting him in the players we're getting to know because I think everyone should look at this kid. His name is Alexander Ishak. Uh, he's Swedish. He plays for Raul Solskjaer and he is a pure, pure striker. Um, people are saying maybe his weaknesses are that he is uh, not versatile. I, I don't think it is a um, an issue at all. If you're playing as a striker and you're scoring goals, that's your job. He's 21 years old, and his his rise has been absolutely phenomenal. He's played 23 times as a starter for Real Sociedad this season in the Liga, and he scored 13 goals, which is unbelievable. He's, he's also got a passing success rate of 74.6, which shows that he can pass, but I don't think it's his strong suit. But I'll tell you what, he's an out-and-out superstar. He's uh, got a who scored rating of 7.02 in the La Liga. He's played two times for Sweden in their World Cup qualifiers so far this season as well as scored a goal there. Um, he's also played in the Nations League for Sweden. He's playing the Copa del Rey, and he's played eight times in the Europa League for Solskjaer. So he is getting games, he's getting minutes, and he's scoring goals. He scored 15 goals out of his 45 overall appearances this season. So one goal every three games in a team like Real Solskjaer, who's a European team, despite it being just the Europa League, um, in a very competitive and attacking league like the La Liga, um, that's a great trajectory. And he might be the heir apparent to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's one very, very exciting player. Alexander Ishak, his last name is spelled I-S-A-K. And I'm trying to think of his rookie cards. It will come to me soon. But find him on eBay. Type in rookie sticker, rookie card. You will find it. He's an absolute beauty. And he's a lot of fun to watch as well. All right, we're going to the players we don't know. We're almost done, guys. We're going to the last two categories. Um, we'll quickly go through them. Players we don't know, we've got three to um, go through. One of them is another American who plays for Valencia, plays as a right midfielder or a central midfielder. He's 17 years old. His name is Eunice Musa. Now, this player is one that just jumped up um, out of nowhere, I think like November, December-ish, um, due to his La Liga Mega Cracks cards coming out and the... Um, sudden need for American players with the 2026 World Cup around the corner. Um, but this player, Yunus Musa, is, is something special. Like I said, 18 years old. He's played 29 times so far in the La Liga, 16 times as a starter. He's only scored the one goal. He's got a who scored rating of 6.34, which isn't flash, but he's a nice winger. He's, he's a very good defensive winger, and he's good at aerial duels as well. He's very, very tall. Um, he likes to do the layoffs and the short passes, which works to his style. His numbers aren't as flash and not what you're expecting. But just remember that he is still 18 years of age. He will play more games. He will, um, he will flourish. So hopefully Valencia keep him and he keeps becoming a superstar. Hopefully they reach Europe as well and he can showcase his abilities in the Champions League or the Europa League. Yunus Musa, last name M-U-S-A-H. Next player, 
is, and we go back to Barcelona actually, and it's another Spanish Barcelona wonder kid. What do you say? He's an attacking midfielder. He's only 20 years of age. His name is Ricky Puy. Um, I hope, hopefully I spelled, um, pronounced his name right. For any Barcelona fans, please call me up on it. Uh, Ricky Puig, he's 21 years old, like I mentioned. Uh, he's played uh, Champions League, albeit all four times as a sub. He's had two starts so far in the La Liga. He's had nine sub appearances. He's actually played in the Euro 2021, uh, Euro Under 21s team for Spain, one as a sub. So this is what he's becoming to develop. He's developing his game from Barcelona and considering how uh, stacked their midfield is, of course it's going to be hard to jump in that um, central midfield spot as a, as, a, as a teenager. But he's doing very well. He's a great passer, loves his through balls inside the channels, and um, he loves his key passes. 13 times played as a central midfielder. That's where he um, is going to stay. He looks like he's going to play deeper as a line playmaker, much like maybe a Paul Pogba. Hopefully, he plays a bit further up the ground. He's very, very exciting to watch, this 21-year-old. And um, definitely look at him. I'm hoping that there is a Liga Mega Cracks card of him out there already. Um, I'm just trying to search as I'm talking to you guys. Uh, Ricky Puig, there we go, 2020 slash 21 Panini Mega Cracks, Ricky Puig, that's the card to get of his, it's number 64 in the, um, in the set. We quickly move on to, uh, a Mexican from Real Betis, he's a, uh, winger, can play, uh, left or right, preferably on the left, his name is Diego Lainez, uh, he is a very exciting player. When looking at his numbers, he's one that sprung to mind and um, he's one that, I've got to admit, I don't really watch many Raul Betis games, but when looking at his stats as a 20-year-old, um, you know, not so bad. He played, he's only played one time uh, for Raul Betis uh, this season in the Copa del Rey in their 3-1 win against Raul Sociedad. Um, but he, he's one that, um, for those that play football manager as well, he's one of those, you know, wonder kids. Um, according to Transfer Marked, he's got a market value of 7.5 million euros. So there is um, a lot of potential there for him. Uh, there you go. He's played 15 times in the La Liga. Why doesn't it show that on who scored? But there you go. Once in the Copa del Rey. Let me just check. And uh, 15 times in the La Liga. He's only had the one assist. And like I said, plays preferably as a left winger. He's got uh, a lot of he's got a lot of stats. This guy, um, sorry, when I say stats, he's got a lot of talents. This guy, um, preferably his his speed and his ability to cut inside with the ball, very eye opening. Um, he's a great dribbler. The ball's at his feet. You can almost assume that he'll do something with it. And um, he's got great pace on that left side. Great work rate too. Diego Lainez, His last name is spelled L A I N E Z. That is his name. Search it, search him. Uh, hopefully, he's got a League of Mega Cracks card out there as well. Now, uh, this player, very, very uh, excited to release this player to the world. Um, I'll just quickly uh, spell his name properly. So, I'm trying to find his cards. <laughs> um, his name, while I type, is Samuel Chukweze. He's a Nigerian striker that plays for Villarreal. He's 21 years of age. He's played 26 times in the Liga so far, 
15 of them as a sub. He's scored three goals, had two assists, and has scored one goal and had three assists at the Europa League this season in his nine games played there. He can play either the left or the right. Um, hasn't he's, he's predominantly a striker, but hasn't actually played as a striker this season. He's actually played most of his games as a right midfield, a bit deeper back. But when he comes on as a sub, he actually does play a bit higher up the ground and has been shifted into that central um, central striker position. Um, really good dribbler. Really, really good dribbler. Uh, great passer. And when I first saw him, I think he's got a lot of goal-scoring prowess. He, he can be quite prolific in the box, but he just hasn't had the opportunity to get in the box. So hopefully there's more chances for him to jump in in there. Um, I'll spell his name for you guys. Um, Chukweze, it's C-H-U-K-W-U-E-Z-E. I love my African strikers. And um, this Nigerian is no exception. He's very, he's, he's actually quite short, but what he can do as an attacking right midfielder or pinch hit as a forward is something special. He's got the pace and um, he's a very, very good player. One definitely to watch um, in the world of cardboard, Samuel Chukweze. Uh, last player in the players we don't know. Uh, he's another one of my favorites. And to be honest, I'm not a Real Sociedad fan. Uh, this guy is from Real Sociedad as well as Alexander Ishak. Um, he is a left uh, attacking winger who can also play as a striker. His name is Mikel Oyarzabal. He is Spanish, like I said. He's 24 years old, so he's the oldest player in um, this write-up of the league of players to watch. Um, but that doesn't matter because what he can do is um, pretty damn special. Hopefully, he gets a chance at Euro 2020 level when he makes the team for Spain. And hopefully, we get to see him in the World Cup next year as well. He's played 26 times in the Liga, two as a sub. As, uh, sorry, of the 26, two as a sub. He's scored 10 goals and had seven assists for an overall who scored rating of 7.11. He's also played in the uh, seven Europa League games. All his starters had a 6.68 rating there. His best position um, is as that left midfielder deeper. He actually performs better. He's actually got a 7.58 rating playing as a deep left midfielder. Um, but most of his games have been played as that attacking left winger. 13 of them has scored three goals and three assists from that position. So, Mikhail Oyarzabal, he's got it all, in my opinion. Um, he's an all-round attacking superstar, an elite finisher. He also crosses. He's a great passer. Um, in the box, he's, he's very much a threat, and he's also a set-piece taker. All the ingredients for a potential um, high-investment player, Mikel Oyarzabal. Okay, um, those are the players we don't know. Uh, we are running a little out of time, so I'll quickly go through the ones to watch. I'll just give you their names, um, but the last one, I'll talk about him a bit more in depth. The first one, Roberto Lopez, Spanish player, Raul Sociedad again, an attacking midfielder, uh, 20 years of age. He's a great decision maker, good passer, and he's a very good shot outside the box. Um, so he's um, your wow factor kind of player, which is what we're looking for. Roberto Lopez. Next one is a very hard one to pronounce. I'll spell his name for you. It's Ihan Sanset. He is uh, a Spanish player from Athletic Bilbao, an attacking midfielder, also 20 years of age. Very good passer, very competitive. Um, Sanset's last name, S-A-N-C-E-T. And my final one, one of my favorite ones, his name, uh, sorry, he plays for Real Betis. He's Brazilian. He's 21 years of age. 
and it's a very familiar name to all the Brazilian fans. His name is Emerson, and he is a special player for Real Betis. Since 21 years of age, but apparently he's 22 here. Yeah, there you go. He was born in January, so he definitely is 22 years of age right now. He is the reason why Raul Betis is doing so well in the in the La Liga this season. Uh, he plays he, as a um, as a right wing back. He's not versatile. He has not played in any other position apart from that wing back right wing back position. Um, but he can do that really well. So of all 28 appearances in the La Liga, um, he has played all 28 of them as that right wing back, has scored one goal, had four assists, and has got a who scored rating of 6.99. Let's just round it off to seven. That is Emerson. Um, hopefully he fits in their plans, in Brazil's plans um, for the World Cup. And um, I'm not sure about Copa America. Hopefully they bring back the Copa America for not only South American sake, but for Australian sake, because they were going to play in it last year. And we all know what happened last year. But that's it, guys. They, those are my players. Those are the ones to watch. I'll go through them again quickly. Players to know. Oh, sorry, players we know. Ansu Fati, Barcelona. Pedri, Barcelona. João Felix, Atletico Madrid. Rodrigo, Real Madrid. And Vinicius Jr., Real Madrid. Plays we're getting to know. Ilaix Moriba of Barcelona. Serginho Dest of Barcelona. Kang In Lee of Valencia. Alexander Ishak of Real Sociedad. Plays we don't know. Yunus Musa of Valencia. Rookie, uh, Ricky Puig of Barcelona. Diego Lainez of Real Betis. Samuel Chukweze of Villarreal. And Miguel Oriarzabal of Real Sociedad. And the final ones to watch are Roberto Lopez of Real Sociedad. Ihan Sunset of Athletic Bilbao. And finally, Emerson of Real Betis. Guys, that is the podcast. I'm so glad to be back. I can't wait for next week. There will be another episode next week. We're going to dive into the English Premier League next week. I'm finally going to set aside some time and uh, talk about some players that have caught my eye. Some young wonder kid players to watch from a in, from an investing and soccer card collecting perspective. So make sure you don't miss out on that. Um, numbers are a bit low on SoundCloud. Hopefully you can share. Please like and subscribe on um, the podcast on Apple Podcast app and on SoundCloud. The more followers we get, the more I can do. Um, and don't forget facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash roundball breaks is where you can see all new breaks. There's a lot of new products coming out, which I'll explain more next week as well. But again, guys, that is uh, me. Thank you for listening to my dribbling about the Super League and listening to my Spanish La Liga Wonder Kids. I'll talk to you all very, very soon. Mm-hmm.